0: Of the third kind.
1: Welcome to Theories of the Third Kind. My name is Aaron, and I am one of your hosts today. There's another host that is joining me, Daniel Son. Hey guys. Now, real quick, before we start today's episode. I just want to say that if you would like to support the show, then there's a few ways that you can do that.
0: One of the ways is Patreon. Each week, we release a Patreon-exclusive episode that only Patreon supporters can get access to. To sign up, it's only $5 a month, which is only 16 cents a day. Not only do you get an extra episode per week for that $5, but you also get access to our entire back catalog of past Patreon episodes.
1: In total, we have over 98 98, we're almost at 100, extra Patreon episodes, which is over 134 extra hours of listening pleasure. So to see this full list of Patreon episodes, just go to our website, theoriesofthethirdkind.com, click on the Patreon episodes tab, and there will be the entire list of all the past Patreon exclusive episodes.
0: Also today, we added another Patreon exclusive episode, which is over the Google Blackouts where we talk about certain locations on Google Maps and Google Earth that have random locations completely blacked out. So you get access to that episode as well as all of the others for just $5. Now, if you
1: can't afford a Patreon membership, but you would like to help us out, then you can leave us a written review on iTunes or you can leave one on Spotify. That helps us out a
0: lot. However, don't feel pressure to leave us one. If you don't want to, then that's perfectly fine. We just want you guys, girls, aliens, reptilians, Bigfoots, Sasquatches, Chupacabras, ghosts, Illuminati members, underground lizard people, whoever or whatever you are, to enjoy the show.
1: And that is the end of the announcements. So today's episode is a Theories Thursday. Now, if this is your first time listening to us, or if it's your first time listening to a Theories Thursday of ours, let me explain what it is. So pretty much, me and Dan have selected our favorite topic for the week. We haven't told one another about it. We've done our research and now we're going to take turns telling each other about the topic. So, how we figure out who goes first is we go to our randomizer and I put Aaron and then I put Dan. And give me a number between one and 10, Dan. Six. All right, give me a number between one and six. Three. Six plus three? Nine. Nine times is how many times we're going to randomize it. One, two, three, four, five, Six, seven, eight, nine. Aaron goes first. Dan goes second. Nice. All right. So I guess I will start off today's theories Thursday. And my topic for today is Google. Ooh. All right. So what caused me to pick this topic today is that I had a lot of people request, hey, you should do an episode over Google and their corruption or just like everything that they're involved in and how much power they have. And I was like, oh, okay. So I started looking into them. Well, throughout the week, I was looking at our episodes on Spotify and seeing how well they were doing, and I noticed something very odd. I noticed that Spotify had started tagging some of our episodes with a COVID-19 information warning. And just because I said that word, COVID-19, they are going to automatically tag this episode with that COVID-19 warning as well. Even though we don't say anything about the virus itself, I just mentioned its name, which by me means saying it, you know, Spotify is going to tag this episode. Really? Yeah. So this got me thinking about censorship and the world that we live in today. I started to wonder what company has the most control over what we see, hear, and learn. Now, Dan, I mean, it's pretty obvious, but what company do you think that is? Oh, Google. Absolutely. One hundred percent. I mean, when people search for something online, they don't say, hey, I'm going to look for that online, or I'm going to look that up online. They say, I'm going to Google it, right? Yeah, just go Google it. Yeah, it's like a, Google is a universe of its own. So here's some statistics, okay? Google is the most popular search engine in the world. It controls 90% of the global search engine market, which on its own is pretty crazy, but it gets even crazier. So get this. Each second, there are over 70,000 Google searches worldwide. That's almost 227 million Google searches an hour. You want to guess how many Google searches there is per day, Dan? I'm going to assume over a billion? Over 5.4 billion. Oof. A day. That's crazy. So, needless to say, Google is more than just a search engine. It's pretty much an empire that rules over everything you hear, everything you see, and even what you think. Which, of course, makes Google the world's biggest censor. Now, when it comes to censorship, Google is not like the only company that's suppressing content on the Internet. There's multiple other companies. For example... In previous episodes, we've talked about how news agencies, Twitter, Facebook, and other various social media platforms suppress certain topics or information that might have a significant effect on public opinion. Now, even though this is, like, fairly common and done quite a bit by those other companies, Google is currently the biggest bully on the block, and they maintain various blacklists that are run with the input from outside advisory groups, industry associations, or government agencies. And as crazy as that may sound, it only gets worse because now I'm going to kind of talk about some scandals that Google has been involved in. So one of the examples that I'm going to talk about is what occurred in 2017. Now, we all know that Google always wants to know more about you as a person and what you buy online. That way they can determine what ads to show you because that's where their primary revenue comes from is ads. Well, the main problem that Google was having was trying to figure out what people were purchasing offline. So if I take cash and I go down to the store and I purchase something with cash, they aren't going to know that I made that purchase. Now, if Google had that type of information, they could build a better, I guess you could say, portfolio of their users to serve them ads better. So, how they got around this was in 2017, it was leaked that Google had cut a secret deal with MasterCard for them to send their customers' purchase data to Google so that Google could track the customers' offline sales. So, if you had a MasterCard, anytime you made a purchase, MasterCard would send that data of what you made and everything you purchased that month, every month, and send it to Google, and they would store it under your portfolio.
0: That's insane.
1: Yeah, it gets worse. So another scandal happened in 2018, which, of course, involved Google. So it was leaked that Google had built a search engine codenamed Dragonfly, and this was for Android devices that were located in China. Like the Chinese government came to Google and said, hey, we want you to build a search engine for us. So they were like, eh, okay, we'll do it. And they built them one. Now, this search engine ended up removing content that was deemed sensitive by the Chinese government. So the Chinese government was like, hey, build the search engine, but remove this, this, and this content. And I also want you to link the user's searches to their personal phone numbers and notify us of that person's searches so they could be easily tracked. Oh, shit. So let's say... If you're using an Android phone and you're using that Dragonfly search engine and you search up something you're not supposed to, it's not going to let you look it up, but it's going to automatically notify the Chinese government that you looked that up and then they could easily track you that way. So it's like the NSA
0: shit. Oh,
1: yeah, absolutely. And it gets worse. One more that I'm going to talk about, which is called the Google Street View car Wi-Fi scandal.
0: Now, have you heard about this, Dan? Talking about, like the Google Street car that goes around taking pictures of the street view.
1: Okay, so you know what they are, but have you ever heard the Wi-Fi scandal revolving it? No. All right. So, of course, like Dan said, when you're driving around town, you'll see occasionally these Google Street View cars that drive through the city and take pictures. Now, this all started in 2007. Google sent out these Street View cars, and they have these special cameras attached onto the cars. And as they drive along, they take photographs of public streets. Then those photographs are then put into a computer, processed, and uploaded onto Google Maps. You then can go onto Google Street View and see those areas in a full 360-degree image, as if you were standing right there. I mean, it's, it's pretty cool. I mean, I've used it multiple times.
0: Oh, yeah. Especially when you're trying to find a place. Oh,
1: yeah. And as cool as that may be, only three years later, in 2010... After they started this, a giant scandal was revealed. And I've never heard about these scandals before until I started looking them up. So it was found out that as these Google Street View cars were driving down the road taking pictures, they were also collecting unencrypted Wi-Fi data from everyone's home. So let me break that down into more kind of like simpler terms. So let's say you had Wi-Fi at your house, which pretty much everyone does, right? but your Wi-Fi didn't have a password on it. Well, the Google Street View car, when it would pass by your house and pick up that Wi-Fi signal and see that you didn't have a password on it, it would collect all the data from your Wi-Fi internet modem. This data could be anything from your search history, email addresses, passwords, medical records, phone numbers, and other various sensitive information. So they were collecting all this. And everybody was like, what were you doing with it? And they're like, oh, we did it on accident. Right. (laughs) So a a huge civil lawsuit was filed against Google. And Google ended up stating that, hey, the data that we collected, it was all by accident. And we were just simply trying to collect the Wi-Fi names, like the names of the (laughs) Wi-Fi.
0: It's like, what are you talking about? Why would you want that? Yeah. What's the point of having the Wi-Fi name?
1: Yeah. So a document was revealed in 2012. That showed Google actually did intend to collect this data from open Wi Fi networks, and that Google engineers actually transferred 200 gigabytes of data back to the Google data storage facility. And then in 2013, a year later after that document uh, was leaked, the U.S. Court of Appeals in San Francisco actually stated that Google had violated federal wiretap laws, and it was the biggest federal wiretap scandal in history, yet not many people know about it. Did you know about it? No, I've
0: never heard of it. It's crazy.
1: I mean, right there, those are just three examples of, like, corruption and scandals, all of it involving Google, in which there are thousands more. But, of course, we don't have the time to go over the rest of them. However, I just wanted to highlight those three. Now, I do have a few strange facts and findings about Google that I came across that I wanted to share, all right? And these are just as crazy. So the first strange fact in finding pretty much shows you how much control Google has. So on Saturday, January 31st, 2009, Google blocked access to the entire Internet for 40 minutes.
0: They have the power to block the whole Internet.
1: The whole Internet for 40 minutes. Did not
0: know that. And did they say how they did that?
1: Yeah, so it was a huge deal. So after the 40 minutes was up, everything went back to normal. Google ended up apologizing and they made an announcement and said that an engineer had manually updated its search engine blacklist of sites and classified all of them as malware to include the URL of forward slash. So that meant that every organic Google search result. Of the entire worldwide web was incorrectly classified as malware. Every site you went to, you couldn't go to it. Said malware, and something strange to add to this that I thought, oh, what a coincidence. When this occurred, it was during one of the few hours of the week when all of the world's stock markets were closed. And this wasn't the first time that Google took down the internet uh, because on August sixteenth, two thousand and thirteen. It happened for five minutes, and it wasn't the full Internet. It was just Google itself, and uh, it was down for five minutes. And in that time of only being down for five minutes, the global Internet usage decreased by 40% in that five minutes.
0: Dang.
1: Yeah. So that's our first strange fact and finding, which kind of shows you how much power Google has. And this next one, this next strange fact I'm finding, kind of scares me. So it involves reporters being blacklisted. So I was looking up, like, old articles of Google's corruption, and I found that in 2005, CNET, which is a popular technology news website, they ended up publishing a story about Google and concerns about privacy for regular people. Well, in this story that CNET had published, It mentioned one of Google's founders, Eric Schmidt. Well, get this. Shortly after that, right after they published that story, Google blacklisted every single one of the CNET reporters for one year. Now, this wasn't the last time this happened, because in May of 2013, the PC Magazine reporter, John Dorvak, he ended up writing an article about Google and called it, When Did Google Become the Internet Police? Right after he published that article that was kind of critical about Google, both his website and his podcast site were blacklisted as malware by Google. So that means when you go to his website or his podcast, it says, warning, it has been classified as malware by Google. (laughs) So, needless to say, if this episode goes up and you go to our podcast website and it says, oh, it contains malware then you know that Google got us, okay? That's funny. All right. So the last strange fact and finding is honestly the one that I'm most excited about. So I started digging into Google, you know, when it was created, by who, where, and how, all that good stuff, right, doing my research. I wanted to see if there was any connections with the United States government or intelligence agencies having any hand in creating Google. So this is what I found. Now, in the early 1990s, there were two Ph.D. students at Stanford University named Sergi Brin and Larry Page. Now, Brin and Larry were developing their first search engine for websites. Now, I want you to keep that in mind, okay, because we're going to switch gears a little bit. So, between the years of 1993 and 1999, the NSA and CIA was providing funding to a program called Massive Digital Data Systems. Now, this MDDS, for short, would end up funding 15 research efforts at various universities. Its goal was to pretty much develop data management techniques to manage several terabytes to pentabytes of data, a.k.a. they wanted to build a big-ass search engine. So the manager of this MDDS project was an individual named Dr. Bahavini Turahaskaham, and I'm pretty sure I pronounced that name wrong, and I apologize if I did. So years later, this Dr. Bahavani, she released an article that talked about her involvement in this MDDS program. This is where things get weird. In this article, she stated that one of the research efforts that the MDDS program was providing funding for was to an individual at Stanford that this individual was a PhD student and was developing a search engine. She stated that she remembered visiting Stanford in September of 1998 to review the project and recalled the presentation. She stated that the student ran in, gave his presentation about the search engine, and then left. Now, on the surface, that isn't weird, right? I mean, it's normal for the, the government to be funding and assistance for research, right, to various students and colleges and universities. Well, if you remember that Sergi Brin and Larry Page were PhD students at Stanford University and they were developing a search engine, well, in September of 1998, Google was officially incorporated as a company by Sergi Brin and Larry Page who were both PhD students at Stanford and developing a search engine. I mean, what, is that a coincidence? That's a big coincidence right there. They got funding by the government to create Google. And if you go and listen to our Patreon episode, you can hear about the direct connection between Google and the CIA, which we go over in the, the Google Blackout Patreon episode. It's a great one. Um, so, yeah, that's my last strange fact and finding. I did find a couple more things about corruption that I I didn't really mention, but there was a thing called Project Nightingale. Have you heard about that, Dan?
0: It sounds familiar, but I don't know what it is. I know I've heard the name Project Nightingale. Okay, let me ask you
1: this. Have you heard of a healthcare system called Ascension? Like, do you have any hospitals that are ran by Ascension or any healthcare facilities near you that have Ascension on them?
0: I don't think so. Okay.
1: Well, Ascension is pretty much a giant healthcare system. I mean, it's huge. They're the second largest in the United States, and they own comprehensive healthcare information on millions of former and current patients. So in 2019, Google joined together with Ascension and financed a healthcare data-sharing secret project that was named Project Nightingale. So essentially, Google and Ascension have been processing this healthcare data of millions of patients without the knowledge and consent of patients and doctors. So pretty much it's the same thing that MasterCard was doing with Google. Ascension is sending all of its data to Google about all of their patients. So that means anything that you've done at a doctor's office, anything that the doctor puts on your record, prescription, anything at all, bills, family members, all of that healthcare data about you, Google now has. Which, I mean, they already have all of your data to begin with, except your health data, which now they have. Yeah. So they have pretty much everything about you, which I don't think it would surprise most people, you know, when they hear that.
0: No, not really.
1: But, yeah, that was my topic this week, just talking about Google corruption and their scandals and all that. I just wanted to kind of go over that and tell you about the shady shit they've been up to, and I hope you enjoyed it.
0: I did. It it started to give me a uh, dark web type vibe. Oh, yeah especially at the end there. There's
1: tons more of corruption and stories that Google's been involved in and lawsuits that I didn't cover. But just go to DuckDuckGo and type in Google corruption scandals and it'll pop right up
0: for you. It made me think how you said like people with Wi-Fi's that have open Wi-Fi's, no passwords on it. What uh, internet do you have? What provider do you have?
1: Uh, Honestly, I can't remember.
0: All right, so I have Xfinity. Xfinity with their new like, Wi-Fi's and stuff like that. You have to go in and turn off a setting that allows your Wi-Fi spot to be a like Wi-Fi hotspot. So someone, if they have Xfinity, if they come in, they can use your modem to log into their account. But it's not supposed to slow your internet down at all. Would they be able to access information through that?
1: I believe so. But don't quote me on that because I'm not an internet expert. Okay? I'm not a modem
0: expert. I know. I already cut it off because I don't want nobody using mine. I got it for my personal use. I don't see why I have to share it with anybody.
1: (laughs) I know there's a program that captures packets of information that goes from your router to other various devices, and it can decrypt those packages, but I don't know much besides that. Anyways, all right. Well, that's the end of my topic this week, so let's shift gears and go over your topic, which before we get into your topic this week, we're going to take a quick break. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. All right. Welcome back. Okay. So now we're going to get into Dan's topic this week. So, Dan, what topic did you choose
0: this week? All right. So the topic I chose this week is called the Piano Man. Have you heard of the Piano Man, Aaron? Is that like a movie or something? There's a song, I think, uh, by Billy Joel.
1: The Piano Man movie?
0: I don't know about a movie.
1: The Piano Man movie, yeah. There's a movie over it. Really? The Piano Man and the, the, the Pianist.
0: Huh. Piano Man is said to be written. Okay, so it's about Billy Joel, I guess? I don't know. Yeah, because reading this, the, the description of that has nothing to do with the Piano Man that I'm going to talk about.
1: Okay. So what's your Piano Man over?
0: All right. The Piano Man that I'm talking about is about a man that was found in a town called Sheerness in England in 2005. This man was found on the beach wearing a black suit with a white shirt. He was completely drenched in water. And it was like around midnight on April 5th that he was found. And supposedly this was like all over the headlines all over the world for like a short period of time. Just because of how strange. Hold on, wait. You said what year? 2005.
1: April 5th? April 5th. That's today. Spoiler alert. We uh, record a few days ahead of time, right? Because we like to edit it and all that stuff. So it's April 5th right now
0: when we're recording. Look at that. I didn't even recognize that. Nice timing. But yeah. So I want to say that I remember seeing this like on the news or I've read it somewhere, but I don't remember what it was about. And what I'm going to do, Aaron, is I'm going to send you a picture. Does seeing the picture of this guy remind you of anything at all?
1: Uh... No. To explain this picture to our listeners, it's pretty much a guy walking in a forest, he's got a suit on, looks like a younger gentleman with short blonde hair, and he's carrying like a Ziploc baggie full of documents. Uh, music sheets. Music sheets, okay. I've never seen this individual before in my life. I have no idea who he is, and it doesn't ring any bells to me. And if you want to see this picture, just go to our website, theoriesofthethirdkind.com, click on the references tab, scroll all the way down to the bottom, and you can see it.
0: Well, this right here is the Piano Man. He's the guy that, has, that stirred up, like, the news media and everything in 2005. So that night of April 5th, the cops were called. They showed up. He didn't present, like, any threat. He was just pretty much wearing a suit and was just drenched in water. But they, uh, someone called the cops and said that he looked disoriented and confused. So, of course, the cops show up. They try to communicate with him, but he did not talk. He actually didn't respond to them. He kind of just, like, ignored him. So they were just like, all right, he does seem disoriented and all that. You know, for his safety, let's take him in, but we're not going to take him to the police station. We're going to take him to the psychiatric unit because, well, there's a bridge nearby, and he's completely soaked. So maybe he was trying to commit suicide or was still contemplating it. So they ended up taking him to the Medway Maritime Hospital in Gillingham. Now, you're thinking okay, this is just another story of a guy, you know, contemplating his life. So why would it make headlines all around the world? It wasn't that he was found on a beach soaking wet at midnight. It's because of all the stuff that starts to happen after he goes to the psychiatric unit. And it's not something like extremely crazy or anything like that. It was just the fact that he wasn't communicating with nobody. He wouldn't talk no matter how many times people asked him questions or anything. He just would not respond. He just was there. They had no idea who he was. Of course, he wouldn't talk, so they couldn't get his identity from him. Then a nurse was just like, you know what? Since he's not talking anything, maybe we'll give him like a pencil and paper. See if he'll like write something to us, at least let us know who he is. So they gave him a sketch pad and a pencil, thinking, all right, sweet, he's going to write something because they saw him pick up the pencil. So they're just like, we're finally about to get some answers. Nope. He didn't write anything. He started to draw a piano, which. I have a picture of the piano. Yes, it's just a piano. But the fact that he drew this was actually pretty good. It's a pretty good sketch, I say. But yeah, so he didn't write anything, but he drew a picture of a piano. So they're just like, okay, you know, maybe we put him in front of a, a piano and see what happens. You know, maybe we get some more answers.
1: That's a pretty decent drawing of a piano. Okay. Right?
0: I mean, way better than I could do, that's for sure. Oh, yeah.
1: Way better. Look, he's got like each little keys down and all that and the shading and look at him go. Right. So they get him a piano. What happens after that?
0: They put him down in front of the piano. And then the next thing they know, he actually just started to play the piano. Like they just let him go at it and they come to find out like they believe that he might be a professional pianist, you know, and that he might might have been like some pianist for a concert or something. So they're just like, sweet. Now we got, you know, clues to try to find out his identity. So they got the media involved. They actually had someone come take his picture and all that stuff. And they ended up putting them in like the newspaper, which I will include those as well. So they. Hold on.
1: Hold on. Before you go on, can we talk about the second newspaper clipping <laughs> and how horrible of a picture that is? His it's like. Is he biting a pillow and then his face is kind of like fuzzy? What is that? I don't even think they could have picked a more horrible picture than that.
0: I don't know what he's doing in the picture. It honestly looks like he's doing like a a Zoolander. uh, You you can't even
1: see his face. It's all blurry. Fire that newspaper editor. I would. Anyway, sorry.
0: Nope, you're good. But no, it's just like they had the newspaper even like asking like, do you know this man? The only other clue is that he can play and read classical music on the piano. Which, when I was reading up about that, there seems to be a little bit of conflict on that clue. All the nurses and doctors and stuff at the psychiatric unit claimed he played the piano like a professional. Now, that's not like they're judges or anything, but he was actually playing classical music. When some of the media people actually claimed that he was just hitting one key the whole time. And I'm just like, eh, I don't know if they let someone just sit there and hit one key the whole day. But, you know, whatever they want to believe. So they went off of that clue. Again, they were calling up different like concert halls, musicians and stuff showing his picture saying, do y'all know this man? You know, we know that he could play the piano and that's all we have to go on. And he plays it, you know, pretty damn good. Nobody knew who he was still. None of the concert halls, no musicians, nobody. So pretty much that only clue they had meant nothing. This went on for four months. Nobody knew exactly who he was, nothing. He wouldn't talk to nobody. What I was able to find was supposedly published in Britain, Germany, and other countries in the, like, Europe area, you know, trying to find out who he was. Still nothing. They even set up, like, helplines for people to call in, you know, to see if they knew who he was, which, I mean, they did get calls and everything. A lot of people did assume who he was, like, his identity, but everybody that they suggested was not him. Because they would actually find the person that they were suggesting, and they're like, uh, no, and that doesn't even look like me, so why would they even think that was me? And then, um, I'm guessing around that time, I've never seen the movie myself, but have you seen the movie Rain Man, Aaron? Yes, I have. All right, so they believed it was a case like that now, that nobody knew who this guy was, but he wouldn't talk, he wouldn't communicate with nobody, but he was really good at playing the piano. So they all believed that he was like an autistic savant, someone suffering from autism who had an exceptional talent in a particular field. And this field would be playing the piano. So like I said, four months this goes on. Nobody knew anything. They couldn't find any information on him. It was just like he was just somebody that just showed up out of nowhere. They even brought in multiple interpreters speaking many different languages to him to try to see if he'll show a response to any of them. There was one language that he actually showed a little response to, which was Norwegian, but it was barely anything. But then, in one morning in August, this man, Aaron, he woke up and he actually started to speak. Real quick, before we get into that, let's take a quick break. It'll be really fast, I promise. And welcome back. He surprised the hell out of everyone and confused them as well, because when he woke up that day, It was like everything was normal. He told him his name, where he came from. His name was Andreas Grassel, and he was 20 years old from a small town in eastern Bavaria. And he said that right before he was found on the beach, he was supposed to be working in France. And he has no idea how he ended up on that beach at all. So he started talking? Yeah, he just started talking normally. Like, none of it happened. Oh, what a weirdo. Four months of complete silence. And then all of a sudden, he just starts talking normally. So, of course, the hospital contacted the German embassy to confirm his identity, and then they actually flew him home before the media could get at him, which I don't know why they would send him home so fast like that. But he was returned to his family, which, to come to find out, his family owned a dairy farm in their small town, which had a population of less than 100 people.
1: Damn, that's a real small town.
0: Yeah, and supposedly his family did report him missing when they lost touch with him when he moved to France. But the police said that since he was over the age of 18, there was nothing they could do about it. I figured, though, if if someone's reporting you missing, they would actually still look for you because then now you're a missing person. But they're just like, oh, he's an adult. He can go wherever he wants. We don't have to look for him. He's not missing. He just doesn't want to talk to you guys. (laughs) Hmm, That's odd. Yeah. So his family was questioned, not personally, because his family actually didn't talk to any media. They always talked through a lawyer which the lawyer then would talk to the media. So the media pretty much asked their lawyer. His picture was shown in all the newspapers. It posted everywhere. Four months had gone by. So why didn't y'all come forward saying that you knew this was him? You know what they said?
1: They didn't read the newspapers.
0: No, they read the newspapers. They just didn't recognize him because his appearance was different. The only thing different about his appearance was that he dyed his hair blonde. (laughs)
1: Oh my god.
0: So I'm sorry if your son just dyed his hair a different color and that just completely negates like anything you know of him, something's wrong. But I think I have an idea of about that later on. Okay.
1: Yeah, cuz I got, I got a couple of theories brewing in my head.
0: But yeah, so he was returned home and he hasn't talked to anyone in the media or even made attempt to. So it's not like he did it to become famous it seems or get attention, which is part of one of the theories. But technically, that right there is the story of the Piano Man. So the mystery of his identity was solved. So they know who he was and all that. They solved it finally after four months. So the question is, why did I even bring it up?
1: That's a shitty-ass topic for the week, Dan. is. Shitty-ass topic for the week. I give you a two out of ten. I'm just kidding. It was actually pretty good. Why do you bring it
0: up, though? You know, I did have second thoughts on using this topic, but it still confuses the hell out of me on how this man, who was supposedly working in France, ended up on a beach in England. He does not remember how he got there. The last thing he remembers was working in France. I think he was working as a waiter. And the next thing you know, he's on a beach in England. I mean, what happened for him to end up there? Abducted. I mean, that could be it. Like The only logical thing that someone had uh, brought up as a theory was that and like, it still doesn't make sense, but it's the closest thing that kind of does make sense is that there was a cargo ship that came from France to England that was around that same time that they found him. So they think that he might've been on that cargo ship for some odd reason. Now, whether I'm guessing he jumped off of the ship or something, I don't know. But like how I said earlier, how his parents didn't recognize him. So he didn't want to be a dairy farmer because that's what, you know, his family did. Throughout his school life, he told his friends that he thinks that he might be gay, and I don't think his family really liked that fact, but they didn't really do anything about it, so he ended up leaving the small town to go make something of himself, somewhere where he could be himself, I guess. So he ended up in France, he was working, he wanted to become famous, he wanted to be like an actor and stuff, but that didn't work out for him, which it goes into the theory that. He did all of this for publicity, as a hoax, to make a name for himself.
1: That's what I was going to lean towards.
0: And, I mean, it does sound quite plausible as that. He ran away from home, not feeling like he fit in, but he wanted to make a name for himself. And he thought, you know what, I'll do something crazy. So I guess being found on the beach, not talking for four months. I mean, he, he became famous, you know, for a short time in 2005. But after that, though, he just kind of fell off the grid. So I'm just like, is that really a plausible theory, though? Nothing really came of it, though.
1: No, nothing really did. I mean, maybe he was hoping for like a music
0: contract and it never came. So he's like, eh, well, tried my best. What's weird, though, is that I don't think he ever like played the piano much. That's what made me start thinking is like the media. Now, I'm not saying that the media is always right. But, you know, multiple people were saying that he didn't really play the piano that well.
1: That maybe the media just ramped it up to create a sensational story.
0: See, it could be that. But the nurses and doctors themselves were saying that he was playing it beautifully. They believed that he could have been in one of those concerts, you know, the orchestras and stuff. It kind of made me wonder, like, he had no idea how he ended up from France to England. I'm just thinking, you know, what if, you know, he had like a different personality? Something happened to him and he thought he was somebody else for a while. You know, and he was able to play the piano, read the sheet music and everything. But then one morning, he just wakes up and he's back to his normal self. Say like he was on that cargo ship. He fell off of it, hit his head. Next thing you know, boom, he's somebody else. He thinks he's somebody else, at least.
1: That reminds me of that movie by M. Night Shyamalan Ding Dong, Split, where the guy has dissociative uh, identity disorder, DID. Yes. Where he has multiple different personalities, like 23 of them exactly.
0: God, that was such a good movie. Maybe that guy has that. I mean, that could definitely be it. The
1: family saw him in the newspaper. And they are like, oh, fuck. It's been so good the past few days not having him here and having to deal with his shit. Let's just, <laughs> let's just let him keep him. As
0: bad as that sounds, I mean. No, I'm honestly thinking that might have been it, too, because they didn't hear from him. And the next thing they you know, they see him in the newspaper. He changed his hair. He looks different and all that. And you know what? They're just like, do we really want that type of attention brought on us? Because, I mean, they were in just a s- small little town. Oh, you would put that last picture. <laughs>
1: you like that picture? I added two more uh, pictures to the document. Uh, one of him curled up in his bed and the other one of him, like, peeking around his papers. It does look like he has some sort of mental disorder. Okay? So this is my theory. His family dyed his hair, dressed him up, gave him some music sheets or whatever, threw him on that cargo ship. Said you're going across seas, you're gonna become famous. Go find your talent. Or maybe he did it himself to get away from his family. One of those
0: two. All right. So here's the image. So I went on Google Maps and I found the beach and whatnot. So on the right side you got France, left side you got England. So the bridge, you know, shows that it's twenty six point twenty five miles across. But, you know, he ended up all the way where it's like where it circled, the little beach area over there you think he had to be on a ship or something because if he was just in the water and he floated all the way there, I don't think he would have made it there.
1: No, he had to have been on a ship. Absolutely on a ship.
0: So I'm thinking that, you know, he ran off to France, tried to make a name for himself, didn't work. Then he was just like, you know what, it's time to move on to another place. So he becomes a stowaway on this cargo ship. And then I guess just considering he doesn't want to get caught. You know, on the ship, he got close to land, he jumps off and swims to shore. So now he's like all cold and stuff, walking the beach, someone reports him, and he's just like, you know what? This could be it. I could try to make a name for myself. So he doesn't say anything, and then they give him pen and paper and he draws a friggin' uh piano and then he puts his skill tries to put his skills to use. Like you said, try to become a sensation. Yep. And honestly, it made him a sensation for four months. Then they found out that you know, it's not really much of anything.
1: And that's the piano man solved by Daniel's son.
0: That's the piano man. You know, I honestly thought there was going to be more to it. I wanted there to be more of a mystery. Well, I liked it. But the mystery is just how he ended up there. Still don't know, but that's what I'm thinking.
1: Yeah, I think you're spot on with your theory as to what happened. You know, cargo ship swam to shore when he got close. People saw him on the beach, called the police. He ended up in the psych ward, tried to make a. A name for himself with a piano, tried to get popular. His family came and took him back and put him back in the, uh, in the basement and said, play the piano for us
0: <laughs>
1: while we sit up here.
0: And yeah, Like, if you look at the articles, they even said, like, all we know is that he appears to be a professional pianist of exceptional ability. But then people are just like, well, no, he didn't really play it that well.
1: Maybe that's why the police didn't. Um, you said the, the family went to the police at the beginning and said that we aren't going to look for him because he's an adult. Yeah. So, maybe the police knew that his family was kind of like a piece of shit. And hey, we don't want him to go back in that setting. So, we aren't going to look for him.
0: It's quite possible.
1: Yeah. Regardless, he can play a piano and he can draw. Yeah. All right. Well, that is The Piano Man. I love it, Dan.
0: Hope y'all like it. It was interesting to me.
1: Now, you mentioned that you had another, a smaller topic that you wanted to
0: discuss. I did have a second one that I started to work on. And It sounded interesting, so I figured I'd just bring it up and we could like look into it a little bit and see what you think. But have you heard of the jumping Frenchman of Maine syndrome?
1: Sounds familiar.
0: All right. So this condition was first diagnosed in 1878 by an American physician named Dr. Beard. He described this jumping Frenchman of Maine syndrome as a peculiar condition in which the patient displays an overly exaggerated reflex reaction. As a result of alarm or panic arising from even the smallest of shocks. So, the typical response involves leaping into the air, shrieking and waving their arms, and in some but not many cases, the person would drop down into a fetal position. So, we could say like a little jump scare. You just walk up behind someone, like, hey, and they would pretty much overly exaggerate the reaction start screaming, yell, fall to the floor, that kind of stuff. Well, there was another reaction to this, which was very interesting. He, he did this based on a small number of s- studies on lumberjacks that were French-Canadian from Moosehead Lake area of Maine. And he said that the strangest response that this syndrome had was that many of his patients would involuntarily be very obedient to sudden or sharp commands. What? So, for example, Aaron, if you're on the computer, I walked up behind you and pretty much scared you, and you went into your little, your reaction, and right as soon as you start, I'd be like, Aaron, punch the shit out of your monitor real quick. You would yell that, and then you would just punch the hell out of your computer screen. No hesitation at all. You would follow the command.
1: Huh. That's kind of scary.
0: Yeah, and he said this actually occurred with many of his patients. Even when the command was given in a different language that these people did not speak, they would actually repeat the command in that language that they heard it in, and actually still follow the command, even though they didn't understand it at all. That's odd. Yeah, so it's like their brain automatically kicked into automatic mode, and it deciphered what was just told to them, and they still do it. So during this study, he found out that the vast majority of sufferers got this when they uh, taken the job as a lumberjack. So I'm guessing all the loud noises and stuff would actually, I guess start this syndrome. Say you're like cutting down trees somewhere else, another tree falls and hits the ground. You kind of like have that little quick reaction of like jumping. So I guess it all started there. That's how it got the name.
1: I'm just kind of like scanning over some stuff that I found and it said observation of 50 cases found the disorder to be remotely located and concentrated in the northern regions of Maine. And like you mentioned, it was up near, uh, it started in uh, Moosehead Lake region of Maine, which is kind of scary because Yep. That's where, pretty much near, our fishing tournament that's held each summer. Oh, is that where it's near? Eh, okay, I thought it was near it. uh, <laughs> It's about three hours away. Oh. Yeah, it's, uh, it's way up there. I didn't know it was that far. That's like not really northern, northern Maine. That's more like smack dab in the middle of Maine, kind of.
0: Yeah, that's kind of smack dab in the middle. Hmm. I mean, it is close. Oh, I wanna say close, close, but.
1: Close to uh, Canada.
0: Yeah. It's actually 32 miles, well, about 35 miles from the Canadian border.
1: Said that 14 of the 50 cases were found in four families, and another set of cases were found in a single family where the father, his two sons, and his two grandchildren exhibited this behavior.
0: See, and from what it sounds like, it was only the men that got this.
1: Yeah, and most of them were lumberjacks, like you stated. Yeah,
0: and like they actually tried like looking up to see if you know there was some kind of plant or something near it. That they were getting into that was causing stuff like this, or was it an insect that was biting them that was causing this? But no, they just said it was a. It was more along the lines of like a psychological condition. They believe hmm. they kind of. They didn't say that it was like a the Tourette syndrome, but it was very similar to the disorder.
1: I wonder if there's some type of like fungus or something that the uh, lumberjacks are getting in their bloodstream or getting on them that causes this. Some rare fungus. That infects the brain and causes this because they are out in the forest and there's a lot of fungus up there in Maine, a lot of mushrooms and stuff, you know, and when they're cutting the trees down, it's near that season of when the fungi starts, you know, producing and stuff. So,
0: yeah, honestly, I don't think there's that many cases now, if any.
1: Maybe it's just one of those weird things where, you know, it's a rare fungus and a little bit of it stayed behind. And the little bit that did stay behind is, like, very remote, and you'll only get it if you're, like, a lumberjack or something. Yeah. And if it's on your skin for long periods of time, because you got to think, back then they didn't shower that often. Now, when lumberjacks come in, they immediately go shower. True. Maybe it has something to do with that. It would be very interesting to go out into the woods and see if there's any uh, mushrooms or any plants or anything that cause that type of uh, syndrome.
0: Say they out there looking for a snack. Trying to find Bigfoot, couldn't find Bigfoot, so they just dealt with a mushroom.
1: Yeah, possibly.
0: Like, ooh, that mushroom looks safe.
1: Well, that's an interesting topic to discuss. I like that one.
0: Yeah, the name was funny to me. Then I realized that you know this could be or this was a, dis- a rare disorder, jumping Frenchman of Maine. That's a weird disorder name. Just saying.
1: It is. Um, so I have a topic or kind of like an extra that I wanted to talk about. A article that I came across. It's real quick. It's real quick. Okay, so. Yeah, have you ever flown on Southwest Airlines? God, yes. Did you hear what happened on their flight, uh, I think, yesterday? Or no, uh, on April 2nd? No. So on April 2nd of this year, which was like a few days ago, like three days ago, well, when you're listening to this episode, it'll be five days ago, a uh, guy was arrested on the Southwest flight for masturbating four times during the flight. All right, all right.
0: I'm going to stop you right there for a second. Not just once. Four times.
1: Yes. So get this. I thought that maybe the guy went into the bathroom and cranked it out, right? No, he did not. So he was sitting in his seat. (laughs) Jesus Christ, this is horrible. And a female passenger that was sitting next to him started taking photographs of it occurring because apparently he just whipped it out and started beating it mid-flight and did it four times. It's like, how horrible is that? Number one, to begin with. And number two, this woman couldn't say anything out loud because she was afraid for her life and had to wait till the guy went to sleep. And then she told the flight crew what had happened. And they moved her to another seat on the flight. And then the Phoenix police showed up when the flight landed and the woman turned the photographs over to the police of him, you know, beating it. And guess what? The FBI was involved. They ended up interviewing him. And you know what he said? It was a nervous tick. No, he said that, oh, I didn't know that the woman had an issue with me beating it. I didn't know she was uncomfortable. I thought it was kind of kinky. What a freak, man. So, uh, yeah, he got arrested and he's facing charges of uh, indecency, obscene acts, and lewd.
0: If that happened on a flight and I was there, that man would have been outside of the plane. I would have thrown his ass out. We live in a world of weirdos, man. That is not how you do the Mile High Club.
1: No, it's not. That is not. No, it's not. And I believe everybody should be able to do whatever they want, as long as it's not bothering or impeding on someone else or harming someone else, in which that case it was. And you got other people around, right? Why couldn't he have waited just a couple hours until he got home? Why didn't you just get up and go to the bathroom? That's another option, you know?
0: No, I mean, I'd never get up and go to the bathroom on the plane. I usually go right before the plane, like take off and everything.
1: I wait until my plane lands, and then I go take a piss. I don't use the bathrooms on the plane. They're way too small, and I get claustrophobic in them. I don't know how people use them. Anyway, that was my little uh, extra topic at the end I wanted to add.
0: He thought it was okay.
1: Yeah. Mm. All right. So that's the end of our Theories Thursday this week. Now we're going to transition into our on-the-scene which if you don't know what an on-the-scene is, it's pretty much where anybody, a listener, yes, you can record yourself interviewing anyone around the world. It could be a family member. It could be a random person on the street. Record yourself asking them questions about current conspiracies and happenings. Make sure that audio is less than two minutes long. And then you can email that audio to us to either Aaron at Theories of the Third Kind or you can send it to Dan at Theories of the Third Kind. Make sure you put in the subject line on the scene. And uh, when you record it, you can do it on your phone. Just download the Rode app, R-O-D-E. It's free, costs nothing, and it's actually a really good uh, recording app. So, yeah. But this week, we have ran out of On the Scenes. We don't
0: have any more. We need y'all to go out there and get some more On the Scenes.
1: Yeah. So if you want, go out there, do some On the Scenes, and submit it to us, and you'll be played next week. So the first person who gets us one... We'll be number one in line next week, okay? And, hey, if you get it to us and you're not number one, you're number two, that's okay. You'll be played the following week, okay? We just create a little queue line, and as of right now, there's no line. So feel free to record one and submit it to us. We'd love to hear it.
0: Yeah, we ran out. Yep. They can be funny. They can be whatever you want. Just nothing inappropriate. Yeah.
1: All right, so now we're going to move on to shout-outs. So, Dan, who do you have for shout-outs this week on Facebook? All right. Let me get it up real quick. <laughs> That's
0: what she said. All right. All right. First shout out from Facebook goes to John H. Then a John Sebastian G. Chris R. Jake B. Jake and Megan B. Shout out to his wife, whose birthday was on March 28th. It's a little late, but happy belated birthday. Then to Sean B., Dakota D., then a Connor N., a Joey S., Benjamin R., Tyrell N., Zeke B., Philip K., Jacob F., Taylor A., Aaliyah B., Trevor H., and Chris M. And then I have one from Instagram, a Nancy and Floor, shout out to them. And that is it for my shout outs.
1: Nice. All right. So I want to give a shout out to Danny. She sent us a message last week and said, hey, currently still listening. Haven't stopped. She's been like a day one listener. So shout out to you. Uh let's see. Shout out to Jennifer Schaefer, Junior Vargas, Sean Davies, Kaylee Matthews, Ken. Jackie Pizer, Keisha, Keisha, Barbie Toledo, Dan Zeb Knight, Miguel Santos, Sean Bentley, The Fine Florist, uh, Aliyah, who just said, what is your phone number? I'm not going to give you my phone number, but hey, if you want to send us a voicemail, you can go to our website, theoriesofthethirdkind.com, click on contact, and uh, there you will see our voicemail phone number. You can call it anytime you want and talk to the, Voicemail.
0: Email me and I'll give you Aaron's number.
1: No, 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 no. <laughs> no, you won't. Let's see. Shazi, Jonathan O'Brien, Caleb Fritzel, Aliyah, Shaka, Tony Noon, Chance Lagarde, Mike Monbito, Benjamin rubavkava uh, and Wade Wade and Cade Fairbanks. And that is the end of my shout-outs for this week. If I missed anybody, I apologize. I'm sorry. I love you all, and I appreciate you all. And just so you know, I am proud of every single one of you still. I know I haven't said it in a while. I've just been really stressed out with a lot of things going on in my life.
0: Proud, and we still love you all.
1: Yep, we are proud of you. I am proud of you. Dan's proud of you, and I still love you all. Keep moving forward, no matter the curveballs that life throws you. Keep moving forward. And if you need somebody to talk to, you can always reach out to us. It might take a little time for us to get, uh, get back to you, but we eventually will, okay? This is true. All right, um, so now we kind of go into free talk a little bit, do a couple minutes of free talk and just kind of update you on what's going on with our life. So, Dan, what's new? Tell uh, to everybody what you've been up to and what you've been doing. Trying to survive. <laughs> He's sick. He's got COVID I don't for got the 18th COVID. time.
0: I do not got COVID. What do you have? A cold? Uh irritated throat from almost dying. Okay, how did you almost die? Sadly, I almost choked on a potato chip. (laughs) Yep, that happened.
1: Okay. You gotta tell us the story. You gotta break it down. What happened? Where'd you get the potato chips from? What were you doing when you ate them? What was your reaction? Break it down for us.
0: All right, all right. I got the potato chips at the local grocery store. The brand I won't. I won't shame the brand that tried to kill me. I won't do it. You know, I was just eating some potato chips, walking back to the room with Coda. Me and him were eating potato chips. And I sat down on the bed to, I think I put some movie on that me and him were just chilling watching. And as I sat down on the bed, on the side of my bed, I guess I took a breath in right when I did and a piece of chip just went down the wrong tube. So there I am coughing, gasping for air because every time I try to take a breath, it would cause me to cough to where I wasn't getting any oxygen at all, wasn't breathing. So I'm just like, oh, shit, like for two and a half minutes, I'm there trying to cough it up, just wasn't working. So I went out to the other side of the house where my mom was just chilling in the living room and I'm just like, like, hey, can you like hit the back, like hit my back or something? You know, I'm choking here. Which sadly, she kind of just looked at me thinking I was just playing a joke or something as I'm gasping for air.
1: Was this on April Fool's? Was this on April 1st? No, this
0: was, let's see, this was Sunday. So April 3rd. Oh, okay. Yeah. So she just kind of stared at me for a second, then like, and I'm just like pointing at my throat, like, I need help. So finally she stands up and like, passed me on the back for a while. Didn't help at all. It ended up causing me to dry heave a couple times, to which I believe a, I irritated my throat really bad from it because I coughed up some blood. And after a while, it just, I was able to breathe again, you know, fine. So I'm guessing the chip moved away, packed its bags and left. But it left me with a very irritated throat. So if I sound different, it's because my throat's still irritated and I'm, it still hurts. Let's just say that. We are currently
1: filing a lawsuit against that chip brand. That's right. I'm joking. We are not doing that.
0: <laughs> they tried to kill me. They tried to take me out with a potato chip, but I survived.
1: Yeah. It's the CIA putting those, you know, robotic potato chips in your bag.
0: But yeah, that was honestly one of the scariest moments of my life, because I'm just thinking this is how it's going to go. This is how I'm going to leave this world, by a potato chip.
1: Well, I can say that even though it's been stressful since I've moved back to Texas, and I've had all this shit happen to me, right, in the past few months, fell down a flight of stairs, found a chicken with its head cut off in my yard, a whole bunch of weird shit like that, I can honestly say there hasn't been much weirdness happening to me since I've moved back to Texas, like no doors opening up by themselves, nothing like that. So I think whatever was attached to me is now attached to you, Dan. Oh, thanks. When I drove by Virginia, it just hopped out of my car and choo, went over to you.
0: I thank you for giving me this wonderful gift, Aaron.
1: You're welcome. You know, I had to get you something. I didn't get you anything for your birthday, so I had to get you something. You're so nice. But I'm glad you didn't die, because if you would have, I don't know if we could uh, continue on with the show. What would you want us to do? Let's just say if you did pass away. How would you want the show to go on? Would you want me to just completely shut everything down? We go black. I I delete all Instagram and Facebook posts. I delete all episodes and we go off the grid for good and nobody knows what happened to us. And some people speculate that the CIA got us.
0: I would want the show to go on. Ah. Only reason is because if I did die, I want you to make up the best story ever on how I went out. I don't want people to really know that I went out by a damn chip. All right. I want it to be that I got in a fight with like a Wendigo or something out in the woods. Me and Bigfoot were taking it on.
1: Can I take your, <laughs> never mind.
0: Can you have my dog?
1: I was going <laughs> to say, can I take your body and start like dancing with it and make movies with it and move your mouth?
0: Hey, Aaron, what are you doing?
1: So messed up. <laughs> no, I'd never do that.
0: <clears throat> so you get my throat irritated. I, you know what? I would be down for that. You know why? Because after the black market organ harvesting episode, I'm pretty sure that'd probably be the nicest thing that happens to my body after I go.
1: I'm just going to get you stuffed and I'll have you sitting in the studio next to me. You won't say much. Actually anything at all. You'll just sit there.
0: You're going to like put like a little voice box inside of me of all from all the past episodes.
1: I'll have like a little button thing on my computer where if I need you to say something I'll press that certain button and that phrase from that voice box will come out.
0: Be like, "Damn. You're right, Aaron. Damn. <laughs> yeah. I love you and I'm proud of you." nice
1: yeah that'd actually be kind of depressing to be honest i don't know if i could do any more episodes but i hope that never happens and we never have to come to that bridge but eventually we will everybody dies it's a part of life it is it's a part of just moving on to the next experience or whatever you believe in right so wherever we go to after this whatever you believe in
0: do you believe in reincarnation
1: me, personally, no, I do not. But I don't shame anybody who does. You know, if you believe in that, cool. I personally believe that we go off into another dimension and into another reality. And it's all just about learning things and growing your, your soul, your spirit.
0: Would that be considered reincarnation, though? Kind of? Yeah, kind
1: of, yeah. But you, I don't believe we come back to this earth. I believe it's something different. But whatever we get uh, reborn again in or wherever we end up in Valhalla or wherever, I hope we can produce podcast episodes still.
0: That'd be pretty cool. Yeah. I'm going to find you, Aaron. We're destined to be together. (laughs)
1: All right. Well, you got anything else you want to talk about before we end this
0: episode today? I want you to tell me about uh, WrestleMania. But we can save that for Patreon.
1: Yeah, no, we're saving WrestleMania for Patreon. In case you guys didn't know, WrestleMania happened this past weekend. It was in Dallas, Texas. Stone Cold Steve Austin came out there. Hell yeah. Let me get a hell yeah. Came out there and kicked ass, okay? We're saving that for Patreon though. Nice. All right. Well, I want to thank you for joining us today and again, thank you for your support. You are amazing every single one of you. And I love you and I am proud of you. So with that being said, Dan you want to roll us out? Sure, will. It's okay to be out
0: of this world with your thoughts.
1: Because you are not alone.
0: Waiting on a tax return? Hopefully it ends up in your hands.